0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 23rd day of May 2016 and I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan please call me Sully, I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena California overlooking the historic Rose Bowl uh, I want to tell you a little bit of what we're doing today I had a, a lot of fun last uh, around last Christmas time I had on Todd Radom, now if you don't know who Todd Radom is, he is a Tremendous artist uh, Designer of logos Designer of uniforms He is uh, Just, you've seen his work You've seen his work I mean, he's, he designed the logo for the Nationals The logo for the for the Anaheim Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim um, Super Bowl logos Basketball Hall of Fame logos And he has been a frequent guest On the Baseball Tonight podcast The ESPN podcast And Constantly doing a uniform and logo quiz with Buster Olney and all the people there on ESPN. Well, he was a guest on my show. I actually posted it on Christmas Eve. And he was a guest on another show as well. And I did a Todd Radom quiz. And it breaks my heart that he gave me a uniform and logo quiz about the Red Sox. And I got it wrong. And my initial instinct was correct. I thought one thing, and I thought, is it that? And I got it wrong. I overthought it. Well, I got him on the show again, and we went on a long conversation. I had a whole bunch of notes that I was going to ask about, uniforms and logos and everything. And as it turned out, we just had a conversation that went on for a long time. And I didn't hit any of my notes. Now, Todd Radom is a big Red Sox fan. And for those of you who don't like me talking about the Red Sox, we talk about the Red Sox in this episode. But in some upcoming episodes, which I'll drop over the next bunch of weeks, we talked about other teams like the Rockies, we talked about the Phillies, we talked about uh, the other tendencies around baseball, and it just was a conversation between two people who love to talk baseball. So I'm going to play part one of my conversation with Todd Radom that features me taking yet another uniform and logo quiz. So here is the great Todd Radom.
1: Well, you do an astounding thing. Just the fact that it it, it happens with the frequency that it does, I don't know, I don't know how you do this every day. It's an astounding, uh, just just commitment and production and and uh, just content coming up with content every day.
0: Well, you, my fellow uh, my fellow Red Sox fan, um, you who grew up. In the shadows of Yankee Stadium, rooting for the Red Sox as as, yeah. as you do. This is uh, I, I'm I'll just say it right now. People have criticized me for talking too much about the Red Sox on this podcast. It's like, well, they're off to a good start. You know, they're,
1: well, they're, and they're, number two is it's your podcast and you could talk about whatever the hell you want. But <laughs> but yes, they are off to a good start, and it's kind of like what we've been hoping for the last couple of years and uh you know things seem to be seem to be clicking nothing is perfect uh you know for for once in our lifetimes we could say at least for this moment in time we all wish we were the cubs yeah. off to the kind of start that they are off to but um you know yeah i think it's it's been a fun season and uh i think that's what it comes down to it's 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 this has been a, a fun group to watch they they clearly care and uh, we'll see what happens. It's a long season, as we all know.
0: I know. I mean, if you told me it would be about the one-quarter mark of the season, uh, when we're recording this, uh, It's I'm probably going to drop this on Monday, so when we're recording this, we're roughly at the one-quarter mark of the season. And if you told me that the Red Sox would be tied for the most wins in the American League, but David Price's ERA would be 5.53 and Clay Buckles' would be 6.11. Yeah, uh, I would not understand what was happening there, but and
1: and uh, and and we have a large panda who is out for the year. Not that we were necessarily counting on him, but but you're right. No, you're totally right. And I think that you know the older the older I get, I I have a friend of mine who always says you know the baseball season is just a perfect length. It separates the the wheat from the chaff and the the contenders <laughs> from the pretenders at at various intervals. And yeah, if you're at the quarter pole. Uh, With everything going on, like you said, it is, and it's been hellaciously cold and wet here in the East. You know, uh, usually like uh, teams teams heat up a little bit. The pitching will get get better. Guys are looser. Yeah, I'll I'll take that and run with it.
0: I'll tell you something. I'm always the first to admit when I'm wrong. And one thing I said in this off season is I was begging the Red Sox to trade Jackie Bradley Jr. Because I felt, look at this guy had one good month, and the rest yeah. of his career he couldn't hit a barn door with an oar. And I said, flip him for a reliever that we desperately need, while people still think he's a good hitter, and we'll have tricked him. And they did not listen to my words. And thank God <laughs> they did not. Thank God they did not listen to me because he has been. Uh,
1: he's been he's been incredible, and yeah. and but you know what I mean? If he he, he had one of the great. College World Series ever. I mean, he he has been. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a uh, just a Gold Glove magician out there. But he's he's had a good bat. I mean, you know, this is extreme, no question. I don't know if you could have, and and who knows where it ends up. But uh, but he's a guy who was you know who who had that on his resume going into his professional career. So I guess it shouldn't shock all that much.
0: Yeah, I just think that the, the contributions. Like I think the best trade the Red Sox made all off season and, and I think it's coming through when you consider what they gave up, you know, how worthless what they gave up and how valuable what they got back was trading twenty fifteen Hanley Ramirez for twenty sixteen Hanley Ramirez. I mean that's
1: and, and yeah. I, and, and and you know what? Hasn't he been uh hasn't he been sort of a joy to watch down at first?
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean,
1: I heard, I heard, um, I heard somebody talking the other day about the fact that uh, listen, I mean, this guy was a middle infielder. He's a good athlete, you know. His body has changed certainly. He was a butcher out there in the outfield, but you know, for a guy to come in and play first base, I've always felt that Ortiz, when pressed into having to play first base, you know, for the most part during his career, you know, these guys are athletes. Uh, most guys can can make a transition over to first, and he's he's been good. He really has been.
0: Yeah, I'm just. I'll tell you the thing I'm I'm enjoying the most about this club is the fact that if you go up and down the lineup, Vasquez, Bogarts, Shaw, Holt, Bradley, Betts, they're all under thirty. This yes. is gonna be. This is gonna. This is not like. Look at. It, I love the uh, the Boston strong team. I love them. But the thing that Red Sox fans did not quite understand was that was a rebuilding year. They won the World Series in a oh, rebuilding year.
1: Total house money, lightning in a bottle, you know, Johnny Gomes. Yeah, everything went right right out of the chute in 2013. And, you know, health would be uh, included in there. To have, uh, you know, Uehara come and, and rise to, you know, an automatic closer. Everything went right. No, you're totally... I think they knew that. I think, you know, I think the fans kind of knew that um, clearly, the the edge is off after o four o seven. This was oh. that was a gift. That was a gift and, and an aberration.
0: Yeah, it was an aberration, and I, I don't want to say a fluke, but it was an aberration. And every Red Sox fan knows that the Tigers should have won that series. I
1: mean, that was... oh, I mean, think about yeah. I mean, uh, actually, I think it was last night, right? Didn't they have uh, the, the Red Sox Hall of Fame? Yeah. Induction ceremony or whatever and they had David Ortiz I I mean I saw replays of that grand slam probably six times last night. Tory Hunter flying over the fence and, you know, bullpen cop and the whole thing. And when you think about where they were at that moment, um after you know, several tough games, that was a tight series. I mean, in retrospect, that I think it was one nothing. I mean, yeah, they, they, they pro they were certainly out hit. I mean the first couple of games of that series they couldn't get a hit. Right? And then, right. boom, the, the worm turned, and yeah, it was, it was just a remarkable few weeks, a remarkable whole season. But the, but the, uh, the, the, the you know, I mean, the, the, from there on out, it was just amazing,
0: really. And, and the Victorino Grand Slam, people underrate, but they were losing that game with Scherzer on the mound. Yeah. And, you know, they're basically two swings of the bat of games started by Scherzer. If the Tigers had a competent bullpen, they would have have won that series in five games and the memory of 2013 for Boston fans would have been it was nice they made the playoffs and they actually made it to the ALCS I mean they played the Tigers who was going to stop the Tigers
1: it would be 08 all over again basically right yeah yeah you went to game seven against the Rays and you know a fine team a fine year certainly in that instance coming off a World Series victory but yeah we we kind of I kind of forget about that I mean I went to one of those games but it's kind of like it doesn't mean that much the scheme of things, right? You're have, right. You're totally right. I have right. to say,
0: I have to say though, the one look at, I have no right to complain about anything <laughs> sports wise in my life, and I, I'm baseball is my game. As I, I've said that, you know, that I don't really care about the pats and everything, but uh, the one game that bothers me still, still, like that, like that when you have like a raspberry seed and you're to- stuck between yes, your teeth, yes. and you a little can't and the david price striking out jd drew with the bases okay. loaded in game 7 i wanted that series so badly uh because of that game 5 where they were losing like 7 nothing oh, and they came God. back to win yeah and, yeah yeah and i just thought i thought a couple things a to have that to to stick the landing for coming back from 3-1 again would have just been oh this is Terry Francona is the is the Houdini of baseball. B to make it to back to back pennants, which I thought, man, I thought I would you know that's just unbelievable. That's know. an
1: achievement, especially these days.
0: And it was also I was I was living in Los Angeles and a lot of the Dodger fans there were saying, We've got Manny, you wish you still had Manny. And oh, go to the World Series going, have fun with Manny, we're gonna go to the World Series and to do it with the Yankees missing the playoffs there would have been so many things that would have been in my utility belt that,
1: <laughs> it's a convergence of of uh, ammunition kind of like what you you talking about banking podcast episodes
0: all right well i just got to say the last time you were on the show you gave me a quiz and i overthought it you gave me a, you gave me a quiz <laughs> yeah question.
1: you i remember yes the sleep pack
0: and i wound up tricking myself that that, that the pilgrim hat was the thing it should be, but, oh, I bet this is Todd Radom. He's a sneaky guy. He's like Gollum. Yeah, there,
1: there's some psychology to putting this together. And,
0: Absolutely. And I'm like, God damn. And I, and I said something else, and you said it was the pilgrim hat, and I killed a man right there. I just so I reached over <laughs> I, I murdered a human being. I was so You're, you're making me responsible for this? No, come on. No, look, it. I'm not saying you're, I'm saying you're an accomplice. That was several months ago. And it's literally been the only thing I've been able to think of. I missed my children's birthday because I was too busy just being angry that I got that triple question mark. <laughs> well, you
1: know, we we don't want to we don't want anger. Anger is a it's a bad thing. Uh, baseball is such a joyous topic. <laughs> you know, this should this should be good. So, yeah, in anticipation of our conversation today, and mm. and thinking about that, that was right around Christmas. Yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You know, so I I put together another Red Sox centric question, but one that's just a very simple. It's going to be it's going to be a yes or no. Okay. But I think it's an interesting one.
0: And hold on. And I really, Sully. Yeah, go ahead. Todd, let me. I'm pushing my computer away, and I'm lowering the screen.
1: Well, you wouldn't be able to find this answer. I'm Ah. going to tell you this right now. This is not attainable, and I really. You know, I, I, I put some thought into this, and I was like, okay, it's Sully, you know, it's a Red Sox thing, some, some uniforms. So it it revolves around my favorite player growing up, Captain
0: Carl Yastrzemski. All right, I, and, and let the record show that when Carl Yastrzemski was going for his 3,000th hit, Con's and Hillshire Farms Hot Dogs had a contest that you write in on a postcard, when you think he's going to get his 3,000th hit, and the closest one gets a Yaz poster and a T-shirt, and guess what? I have myself a Yaz poster and a T-shirt.
1: Get out of here! It was like September, some like early September, 1979. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, and I had and I wore that Yaz T-shirt a lot. And Yaz went on a slump before his 3,000th hit. And I believe it's because he saw that Kahn's hot dog said that Mr. Paul Sullivan of Weston, Massachusetts predicted this date. Said I got to hold off for Sully. I got to hold <laughs> off. for Sully.
1: The, the sausage the world awaited is, I believe, was their tagline. Am I right about that?
0: Man, whoever came up with that, I hope got fired. I really. <laughs>
1: Madman. I don't know, but <laughs> was... but here, but here's our question. Okay. I mean, let's just go right to it. So, Carl Yastrzemski, his career spanned, you know, what, twenty-three years, right? Right. right. Nineteen sixty-one. 1983. Right. Here's my question, and it revolves around uniforms. Did Carl Yastrzemski get more hits in a flannel Red Sox uniform or in a double knit Red Sox uniform?
0: Okay. Okay. Now let's get down. uh, Now. um, Now let me ask a question here. Can I uh, now? Mm -hmm. um, When they went back in 1979 to the button up jerseys, those were not double knit. Were those? Oh, those
1: were double-knit. Yeah, double? I mean, basically, I'll tell you right now, the Red Sox, in, in 1972, switched from the old itchy flannel to double-knit jerseys after the All-Star break in 1972.
0: Okay, So okay. just this think
1: is, about the fact yeah, okay. that he breaks in in 61, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a very clean delineation.
0: Right, and he had, you're right, BaseballReference.com does not... Do breakdowns for flannel.
1: Well, there's this computer
0: that you're going in front of here. I believe you. There's no, there's no like. Okay, let me type in flannel. Um, (laughs) No, I've. There's no
1: time limit here. I have so much
0: pride in myself after getting the thing wrong. Uh, I think he had his. He had such great years in the '60s. You know, that's when he won batting titles and things like that. So I'm going to say flannel.
1: Well. Mr. Sullivan, you are correct because Carl Yastrzemski, the captain, one thousand eight hundred and ninety three hits in a flannel Red Sox uniform, only one thousand five hundred and
0: twenty six in double knits. Wow. Yeah.
1: Including that, that uh pop up to third uh, against Goose Gossage on October second, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, and we know what happened yeah. and but yeah, you you good job. No yeah. anger today. No, no anger. one
0: will no one will die. I feel I feel like I've... I feel the country has <laughs> had a moment of redemption.
1: Well, we've got a long way to go between here and November, so don't extend that to the larger country.
0: No, <laughs> you're darn, darn right. Let's keep
1: that to baseball. Let's just, you know, let's not get over our skis
0: here. I'm going to have a hat tomorrow that says, I'm going to make Sully great again. <laughs>
1: Well, you just you took a giant step forward with that correct answer, so congratulations. Yeah, you
0: know, my thought process was those years that that Yaz was winning like batting titles and leading the leagues and hits and everything were in in the 60s, and by and he did suffer some injuries in the 70s, and a lot of times you had Lynn and Evans and george scott taking some of his playing time away so i kind of did it logically and i said well he probably was more productive in the 60s when they sucked until 67
1: solid logic yes and also as we recall you know he sort of you know as as uh 40 to 43 year old players do sort of uh crawled to the finish line by the time it was all said and done in 1983 they were uh you know not 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 fun years but uh, I, it's I, again my favorite favorite player growing up number
0: yeah, 8 I remember that 83 season very well because that was a vet was a huge summer because it was it was Yaz's last year and we all knew it was Yaz's last year and it was also the year return of the Jedi came out so that was <laughs> that was like every birthday party in 1983 was what are we doing well obviously we're going to go see return of the Jedi again i mean it's in theaters let's go see it I was in a summer camp that we went to several games at Fenway. Like I saw a lot of Red Sox that year because of Yaz and Yaz was like the link to this great time. And yeah. I and I remember that 83 team like really, really well, even though they were bad.
1: Yeah, that was a boring team, that 83 team. And who, you know, Ralph Houck. Oh. I remember going to a couple of games in 81 and as you stated earlier i grew up in the new york area and would take a little road trip up there every once in a while you know and i'd see them in those years i was seeing them in new york i didn't go to fenway for for a while but uh yeah those were those were not you know very like flat mediocre teams
0: those are the teams i because i don't really remember 78 I was, I, was, I was about, in 78 I was 6, and I what I call the All right, yeah, I, I mean, there's,
1: there's our age showing. I, you know, my, my team that I remember that I sort of made me a Red Sox fan was 75. And uh, 78, I mean, my, I don't know if I ever told you this, but, uh, you know, just imagine be I mean, I'm 52 now. Mm-hmm. So 78, I'm 14 years old, oh. and my, my first game at Fenway, first game at Fenway, long in the works was uh, were the, the the back two games of the Boston Massacre oh. in September of 78. First games at Fenway, and that was with my father, my late father, who was a tremendous Yankee fan. Yeah. And his cousin, Michael, who is still with us, who is still a tremendous Yankee fan. So the amount of you know fill-in-the-blank, whatever you might want to call it, that I had to eat and see that in person, it was a formative experience that hardened me like steel, for this competitive world made me who I am today.
0: That's too much hardening though. I mean, that's really, that's well, kind
1: of... you know, I will say that, that the, you know, I was there uh, that evening, the 27th of October in 04 in St. Louis at Bush stadium Yeah. and a well of memories sort of just bubbled up and uh, you know, it was, You know, it's all of that pain. Sort of, you know, it was it was all worth it, having been there and seen that, and uh, finally, you know, it happened in our lifetime. So there you go.
0: Well, '78. I will say, I do remember the players, and that was also the first year I collected baseball cards. Those were the tops years where they had the cursive in the lower left hand Ah, corner. I love those. Yep. And those were, and I remember getting those cards. I remember, and I have memories of Bill Lee and Louis Tiant, and you know, and I remember Butch Hobson was my guy because his name was Butch. Um, I didn't didn't quite understand how to value players quite yet, so I said his name's Butch. Well, obviously he's the best, so I'm a Butch Hobson guy. Um, But and so I remember getting, so I I had memories of the players, but I really felt then this is how baseball worked: is everyone plays. And at the end of the year, they have a championship where they invite the Yankees, the Royals, the Phillies, and the Dodgers to play in. I mean, that's how I thought it worked. <laughs> that's pretty much what it
1: was. You're totally yeah. right.
0: And so the first year I really remember following every year, like day in and day out, was 79. Year in, year yeah. and out, I followed the Red Sox without any expectations that they would play in October. It was like Well, the, you were born at the right time, clearly. Yeah. But when I, was, <laughs> when I was 14, it was 86. So that was my first, that was my first taste of the postseason, and I thought, I mean, we all thought that team was different because of how they beat the Angels. I said, this is this is a team of right. destiny. This is the team.
1: late Dave Anderson, and you know '86. I'll tell you, you know, it's all about. So '86, I graduated from college. I'm, you know, working in New York. I went to college in New York City, and uh, that, I mean, that was a. You know, clearly being here, being around. I was at a a party with a room full of Mets fans for Game Six. And actually, I'll tell you what. It was my first year out and working, and uh, I was working for a publishing company. And we had a vendor who would get, you know, he had season tickets to the Giants, and you know, he'd say, you know, pick, pick, pick a game, pick a game. It was a great thing being a young guy and getting this little perk, right? So I look at the schedule back in. You know, August or July, and I see. Okay, well, the best game of the year is going to be Giants Redskins Monday night, and oh. by that time, <laughs> Game Seven of the World Series would have already have been played. If the Red Sox ever got, I'm not going to be, right. You know the story. Game oh, yeah. six happens. Game seven gets rained out. I go to Giants Redskins at the Meadowlands with my friend Bill's little Sony Watchman, and uh, watch them go up three nothing. And you know, you knew what exactly what was going to happen. And I was in a you know, seventy-five thousand people at Giant Stadium. Nobody watching the game on the field. That's where I was.
0: Uh, anything you want to plug?
1: Anything I want to plug? That's that's great. Well, I'll give you my uh, give you and your listeners my website, and that would be toddradom.com. T-O-D-T-R-A-D-O-M. You can see some of my work. I'm, you know, always doing things for professional sports, lots of baseball things. Can't tell you what I'm working on now, but uh, you'll see it eventually. Um, You know, uh, always, you know, always fun stuff. And, you know, as I always say, there's a a visual culture to sports, particularly baseball, that really tugs at my heartstrings and connects generations and love that stuff. Um, So, you know, uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, spout that out.
0: I got to go uh, just bring up the one conspiracy theory that I believe is 100% true. I have no evidence for it, but I will go to court and put my hand on the Bible and say I believe this <laughs> is true. Uh, I don't believe anything is wrong with Pablo Sandoval's shoulder. I think that they just came up to said, Pablo, it's not going to work this year. Let's just, like, did has anyone seen footage of this surgery? Has anyone seen Pablo in a sling? Yeah, no. I
1: don't doubt that. I, I think that, you know, listen, it, it's kind of like. Uh... Remember in, in uh, at the end of Caddyshack and Robbie oh, Dangerfield, like, All oh, right. yeah, exactly. that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. I think, that's, I think that's a very apt comparison, as a matter of fact. but uh...
0: Thank you, Todd Radom. And I feel so, so good that I got that question right. I can't even tell you. Well, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be playing other parts of our conversation because, as I said, it just was an enjoyable chat between two people who love the game of baseball. Hey, who owned baseball? On May twenty second, twenty sixteen, uh, Madison Bumgarner obviously seven two thirds shutout innings. The Giants beat the Cubs one nothing. Who drove in the only run? Madison Bumgarner. If that is a preview for the National League Championship Series, yes, please. Uh, Cole Hamilton's great g- game, uh, struck out eleven Astros over eight innings, allowed uh, just one run. Rangers won that game. David Ortiz almost hit for the cycle. I don't know if you saw the clip. He had the he had. A, Double, single, home run, and then he hit one right into Triple's Alley. And it was so clear it was going to be a triple. And it ricocheted a weird ricochet into the stands for a ground rule double. But didn't hit for the cycle, but gets the wab. Uh, Cameron Rupp went three for four with a homer. Phillies win over Atlanta. Uh, half wabs Jonathan Scope for the Orioles and their loss to the Angels. And two Padres got half wobs for that 17-inning marathon that they lost to the Dodgers 9-5. First of all, Melvin Upton Jr., no longer B.J., got a game time triple, got three hits altogether, and I give it to Carlos Villanueva, who came out of the bullpen and threw three perfect innings and probably should have got the win, except the fact that the Padres can't score, except evidently when Melvin Upton Jr. is up there. So if you're keeping score at home, the narrow-missed, uh, the cycle for David Ortiz The Great Games by Madison Bumgarner and Cole Hamels The Power of Cameron Rupp Get full wops, half wops to Jonathan Scope And The Frustrating Days for Carlos Villanueva And Melvin Upton Jr. Uh, go to solidbaseball.wordpress.com Like me on Facebook So I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher Instagram I'm everywhere The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky You can be old school send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Thank you, Todd Raven for being part of the show. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for May 23rd, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.